0: Hey there, welcome to the Podcast Manager Show. I am your host, Lauren, and I'm so glad that you are here. I say that every week, but I am genuinely happy that you are here. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. I honestly just love that I get to have this podcast on such a specific topic, and I get to hear from you guys each week in my Instagram DMs on what is resonating, what you want to hear. I'm just so, so grateful. So keep doing that because I love it. (laughs) Anyway, today we are talking with Lisa Simone Richards, who is a PR and visibility strategist. And her and I are chatting about how you can get visible and build authority, even if you're a brand new podcast manager. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to bring her on the show was so that she could inspire us as new podcast managers or experienced podcast managers to know that we can go out and get earned media. We can go out and put ourselves out there and get visible and be authorities in our fields because I just am not seeing enough people doing that. And so I wanted to bring on an expert to show you how to do that and to know that there's a large need for the skill set that podcast managers have, not just as clients hire us, but also for speaking at summits and writing articles, and all of the stuff Lisa is actually going to get into in this episode. So even if you feel like you're not quite ready to get visible or build your authority with earned media, I still want you to listen to this episode so you can be inspired to take that step very, very soon. So without further delay, let's go chat with Lisa Simone. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Lisa, it's so great to have you on the show today. I am
1: so psyched to have this conversation and open up some new possibility for your listeners.
0: Yes, I am excited to dive in and talk all about PR, visibility, earned media. You know what you're talking about. I do not. So I'm excited to let you shine in this expertise of yours. But before we dive into that, I would love you just to kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you as an individual and then about what you do.
1: Okay, gladly, hi everyone. My name is Lisa Simone Richards. I'm a PR and a visibility strategist, and I primarily work with online coaches who want to get seen everywhere, but trust me, this can apply to you as well as a podcast manager. Really, when my clients come to me, it's because they feel like they're getting lost in the noise and they don't want to keep spinning on social media, doing all these content, all this content and all of these posts feeling like it's not getting them anywhere. Um, What my clients are looking for is increased visibility. So I'm a big believer in something called earned media. And this is where you leverage other people's platforms. Someone out there already has a group of your ideal clients hanging out. So how do you figure out where that is, who the person is that's in charge, and come up with an idea that's going to have them saying, yes, I'll give you access to my platform. Whether that's being on a podcast like this one, speaking at a live conference, speaking at a virtual event, guest training in a mastermind, Um, When a lot of people think about PR and visibility and what I do, I think there's this kind of like disconnect and they're thinking about what it looked like 20 years ago traditional television, magazines, newspapers. And yeah, 100%, that can still be a part of the equation today. But especially for us who primarily run online service-based businesses, maybe that means something a little less traditional, like going live in someone else's Facebook group or on their Instagram account and partnering with the right influencers who have your ideal client in front of them. Um, it's something like, like I said, going on podcasts like this one, maybe writing a guest blog post for a site that your ideal client is logging on to. So the great news about the stuff that I do is... Is these principles have lasted for well over 20 years, even though the platforms changed, the principles haven't. And it's something that once people learn it, it kind of demystifies what PR is and they're able to use it for the life cycle of their business. Um, So that's a little bit about what I do, a little bit about who I am. Maybe it's worth sharing that um, fun fact about me that a lot of people don't know is while I always knew I wanted to be in PR and media ever since I was probably around 18 years old and really even innately since my childhood. When I first got into it, I wasn't doing anything with small businesses or entrepreneurship. My goal was to actually get into automotive. I'm a huge car girl, and my goal was to work car shows around the world. And I dreamt of working with Daimler Chrysler at the time because they just had such a wicked brand portfolio with Jeep and Mercedes. And then when I actually got into it, I did the fashion and beauty thing for a number of years. So I was working fashion shows. I interned at a magazine. I worked at a beauty company. And long story short, I ended up in fitness down the line. And now I'm working with online service-based business owners. Other fun facts about me, animal obsessed, just got married a few months ago and actually finally only moving in with my husband, maybe eight months after marriage.
0: Love it. Now, so if you're animal obsessed, how many pets, what pets do you have? So I have my two babies,
1: Peaches and Ginger. They're cats. They are 12 years old and have been with me since day one. And one at the altar, my husband said, though I know you don't love me as much as your cats or the dog we don't even have yet. I was like, (laughs) ooh, awkward. I do love you though. You are great, but I do love them. Um, And I can't wait to get a dog one day. I have my eye on a Doberman. I want something like really big and strong. (laughs)
0: Love it. Love it. I I love I feel like you get you can get a really good insight into someone when you hear about like their pets and what they think about their pets and, and all of that. So thank you for sharing that. One of the things that popped in my head while you were you were talking was I, I'm curious to know your thoughts on like how big of a game changer it is when one of your clients gets like a big yes. Or is it is that not really what we're after? And instead, like a lot of good yeses, you know, a lot of like great positions we can put ourselves in are just as good as getting like, you know, on to NBC or, you know, (laughs) Good Morning America or like these big things that you see. Well, what's your thought on that?
1: So let's talk about the outer game and let's talk about the inner game as well. From the outer game perspective, so many people come to me and they're like, Lisa, I want to get featured on Forbes or I want to be on Oprah.com. And yes, those sites are super sexy. And probably if you land on Oprah.com and you have a product-based business, you'll get a lot of sales that day. But especially for people who are going for like Forbes and Entrepreneur and Inc., that's a credibility builder. That'll get you a cool logo on your website and in your Instagram bio, and it definitely holds weight, but don't think you're going to get a million sales that day. Like you don't, you have no idea how many articles they're pumping out. So Mm -hmm. if you're getting there so you can build your credibility, that's very different from getting featured in those kind of places, hoping to create sales. So intentionality completely matters. I have, um, I used to have clients here in Toronto back around 2015, 2016, and they were uh, chiropractors. So they had a brick and mortar physical business here in Toronto that people needed to walk into for them to make money. So they actually ended up being the featured experts on a national television show called The Social. It aired across the entire country from one to two every day. And it was cool that the entire country saw them, but only people who lived within a certain amount of feet from their office were able to give them money. So it was a great credibility builder, but when they got on the local TV station that was like volunteer run and nowhere near as glamorous, that's when they actually, their sales went up. So that's why it's so important to know what's the purpose of being seen. The other thing I wanna talk about first, so we just talked a little more about the outer game, let's talk about the inner game. So many people, when it comes to getting visibility, there's that fear of being seen. Who am I to put myself out there? Does my message matter? Someone else is saying the same thing. What are people going to think of me? Whether someone's never been featured before or they're on stages all the time, that's something I see across the board, that imposter complex still pops up. But when you see your name in an article, And when you hear yourself interviewed on a podcast or when you're looking at a video of you having spoken on stage, the way you see yourself changes. What's really cool about some of my clients, one of them, uh, Jennifer Spainhauer, who I worked with in back in 2018, I think it was. We worked together for less than 30 days and then she got featured on NBC. She'd never been on television before. So she did a segment on the morning show. She posted it on her Facebook page. And I remember that evening she did a video and she was saying, like, I'm just going to spend the night going through all of these comments from my family, from my friends, from everybody who's giving me kudos. And I'm just going to drink of wine while going through all of this. So even if people didn't see this segment, like the perception that people had of her and the way she felt about herself, knowing that she was able to do it, now she's regarded in this light and getting all of that external feedback that builds your confidence to do it more and more, to put yourself out there and to truly see yourself as the expert that you really are. So um, knowing the intentionality of the visibility is going to affect, you know, whether you're doing this for brand building or credibility, but it's also going to change the way you see yourself and the way you continue to show up as a business owner.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, since we're talking to maybe brand new podcast managers or someone who's thinking about, you know, being a podcast manager or service provider, they they maybe they're not there yet on, you know, wanting to get on TV or whatever, or they're like, hey, I, I'm still learning the skills before I want to put myself out there. You could still use the, these principles for your clients who are going to probably at some point ask you, hey, do you pitch people to be on podcasts? because? I want to get on podcasts. You could use these principles to help your clients. But also, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on, Lisa, was so that you could inspire us that maybe we are ready, right? Maybe we are. We don't have to lose weight. We don't have to... You know, that's random. But we don't have to um, know more. We don't have to have more experience. Maybe we are ready. So what would you say to that in maybe people that you've worked with that didn't think they had the confidence yet? Or maybe even tangibly, how much experience do we need before we put ourselves out there?
1: Perfect question. And let's really center this around podcasts. So if you are somebody who is brand new as a podcast manager, and you're just going to hire your first client, or you're just looking for your first client, and you've just graduated from a podcast training program... Congratulations. You're ready for visibility because you have the hottest training fresh off the press. You have a new perspective. You have a different angle that you can bring into the conversation. If you're someone who's been managing podcasts since podcasts came out, wonderful. You have years of experience and you know the difference between the trends and the fads versus the things that have long-term potential. So no matter where you are in this game, make it right and enroll yourself in the fact that it is a perfect time for you to get seen. Because the truth is you can be the best podcast manager there is out there. But if people don't know that you exist, they can't work with you. So you're actually doing your future clients a favor, making sure that they know that you exist so they don't go and hire the wrong person. So when we think about it from that perspective, maybe that can inspire you to put yourself out there more. Um, there was another part of that question that you asked me and it flew out of my head and I'm trying to recoup it so I can answer what that was. Do you remember what it was? Can you bring me back on track?
0: Uh, yeah, I first said basically like, am I ready? And then the second thing I said was maybe tangibly, do I need more experience?
1: Right. Awesome. Okay. So you'd ask me if I had a client story and yes, I do. I would love, love, love to share this one because it is very podcast related and it's actually perfect for those of, of those of you who are just getting started. So Back again 2015 we're going back to Lisa's first days of entrepreneurship, I worked with a then positioned holistic health coach named Nora DeBora. fast forward to 2020 she came to me now she's working as a fertility coach and a preconception specialist. And based on her background with holistic nutrition, that's a big part of the work that she does. So I love that she loved working with me in 2015 enough to come back five years later and hang out again. And uh, she was working on building her positioning and her brand now as a Preconception Health Coach. So when we got on a call, she was saying with to me, you know what, Lisa, one show that I listen to all the time is Fertility Friday with Lisa Hendrick-Jack. I would kill to be on that show. But I know that's like maybe two, three years down the line. So, you know, if I could get on like one or two podcasts in the next few months and start to get my voice out there, that would be a win for me. So I'm really a type A ambitious person. I was like one or two, that's super cute. Let's supercharge that. that. <laughs> um, so we came up with a really high quality pitch that she was able to use over and over and over again. She didn't change her talk. She just changed who she was delivering the message to. Mm-hmm. And she used this pitch on all the different fertility podcasts out there, maybe 15 to 20 popular ones in her space. And over the course of a year, she was able to book Probably at least 15 of those shows. Like I'd say maybe 75% of the shows in her industry including Fertility Friday. Well, that was her dream show for two years down the line. And how cool is it that she developed a relationship with Lisa Hendricks and Jack, the host of that podcast. And I remember last fall she mentioned, oh, they were going to a farmer's market together. So especially if you're someone new, I hope that that inspires you to see that, wow, this really is possible for me. It's just a matter of learning where's the right place to get seen or heard in this case. What's the right message and how can I use it over and over again to reach more of the right people?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we may see as podcast managers when we're pitching our clients for different media opportunities, specifically podcasting, is that maybe the like top podcasts that our clients want to be on, they don't accept outside pitches, or maybe it seems like they accept outside pitches, but we hear through the the streets that they're usually they they don't really, or you have to even pay for it. You know, there's there's opportunities where you. Even in podcasting, where you you they want you to pay a thousand dollars or whatever to be interviewed, I guess my question is: Is that common that once a podcast or a um, opportunity becomes popular, that it becomes hard to access for the average person?
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I'm really thinking about how to reference this because I don't want to paint anyone with a mean girls kind of brush. For sure. But let's just be real and totally honest. There are some podcasts at the top of the industry that I could write the best pitch to in the world. And if I'm not friends with them and if I'm not a client in their program, if I don't have a personal relationship with them, I am not getting on their show. I'm not getting my client on their show. It's like, I, I don't want people to think you can't tame big. Maybe there's a chance you might make it. I know that there are some podcasts that I'm like, this is swinging big let's see how it goes. And I have gotten a yes. So mm-hmm. I will still encourage everyone to pitch those shows regardless. Worst things that happen, you get a no or no response and you were in exactly the same place you were before. Best case scenario, you might get a yes. Is it probable? Not necessarily. But it's not going to hurt you to try. So with a certain level of podcast, it really is about relationship building. And this is where we can actually really be strategic and intentional and think, okay, you know what, this is one of the shows I would like to be on. I know it's a bit of a reach. So what can I do to start cultivating a relationship with that host now? Should I join one of their programs and become their success story? Can I be following them on social media and commenting and liking and sharing and becoming one of their huge brand advocates so that they recognize my name as being a huge champion for them? So that by the time I go to pitch their show, I'll at least be on their radar and I'm not just going to be a cold pitch. So some things, it's not just going to be an overnight. I'm not going to be a person that tells you that that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But with some strategy, 100%, you can get there.
0: Yeah. And if you really do connect with the host, you may do all of those things organically. Or you, you want to do those things, right? You're, you're like, hey, I really connect with this host. I would love to be on their show. And oh, by the way, they have a program that I'm really interested in. So some of that does happen like really organically if you want to build a relationship with that host.
1: Yeah, I, even if I can give some context and I'm like, okay, we got to be real careful here and not drop any names or hints. But um, I have a friend who is a publicist and she got a name who is very huge who everyone in the online space is very familiar with onto a massive television network. Think something along the lines of like a Good Morning America, and NBC, a CNN, one of those type shows. Um, despite being able to get her that huge opportunity, that individual will still not have my friend on that show. So just, just a little bit of feedback that, you know, this relationship building can take some time, not that it not worth it, but it can take some time. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's actually a really interesting story that I can share from a flip perspective because I don't want to dissuade people. I want to also inspire them. So let me tell a story from another perspective. This one isn't podcast based and this is one, this one's about me. So, so I can be as disclosure as I want to on it. I don't have to respect yeah. any privacy on this one. <laughs> um, I would, I remember when I worked with my first business coach, that was a massive investment for me. Like it probably matched my rent for the year. And, um, I also was like, why am I paying this much money to be like one of a hundred people in this program? Like I'm an only child. Like I want one-on-one <laughs> attention on me. Regardless, mm-hmm. I believed in this coach's principles. I joined their program and I knew that they had a goal of getting featured in a top tier media outlet. So because I'm a publicist and because I have connections and relationships, I supported them and they ended up with a full page spread all about their philosophies in this huge publication. And that was an opportunity for me to get on that person's radar out of a hundred people And now they highlighted me on a number of trainings that they've done. I've been a part of their inner circle and gotten to see their world. So also thinking about like, how can I be in service to somebody can have the result of getting it. So it can go either way. I think if there's a moral of that story, come from a place of intention plus generosity and see where you end up.
0: Yes, I love that. And also, if you are listening and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have my own podcast one day, or I'm I'm looking to build this business large, then you can have different policies and different approaches to when you accept guests. And when you have you're in more of that position, you can say yes to someone who maybe doesn't have the Instagram followers or whatever. And you can accept them onto your show or onto whatever, because they've got a great message. And actually, podcast managers do have some of that power because we say yes to our clients people that are pitching our clients to be on our clients' shows. So instead of just focusing on maybe someone's, you know, followers or who they know and whatever, you can you can kind of make, make the world a better place by saying, hey, do they have something valuable to add to this show? If yes, then yes.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I'm even going to share a story that came up maybe about 2 years ago. And I'd be curious to see if he's still following this. So around two years ago, after George Floyd happened, a number of businesses were really making a commitment to support Black entrepreneurs. So there was one podcast host who, again, you could send the best pitch in the world. If you're not BFF, you're not getting on that show. But he committed to having a certain number of episodes dedicated to Black entrepreneurs to lift and raise their voices. So that was really cool that he found a way to be able to still hold, um, I don't say the caliber of the show, because it certainly doesn't degrade it, but to open up space for other voices that aren't necessarily someone closely related. So yeah, I think that's a great idea for whatever your specific angle is or for the person whose podcast you're managing, whatever their values are, whatever their platform is. You can support that and bring something new to the table. How valuable would that be for you to be opening up that possibility for them, which is very likely to be well-received by their audience. So that's a great way to bring some influence uh, to the people that you're supporting.
0: Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So, in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass, and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I can't wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. Now, to, to kind of take it back a second, we've talked about some of the different types of media that we can pitch ourselves to, but can you just explain what are those different types or what are the ones that we should be thinking about when we hear the word media?
1: Sure. So I like to break it down into three general categories, given that we're podcast managers here, maybe one's going to make a little more sense than the others. But when you think about how people like to consume information, it's typically in one of three ways. They either want to read it, they want to listen to it, or they want to watch it. So it does everyone a service to show up in at least one of each of those three ways. So no matter how your ideal client likes to consume information, they're able to hear your message. So when it comes to written media, this could be something like writing a guest blog post. So instead of writing it on your own site with your own you know, traffic and visitors, now let's take advantage of somebody else's site and get in front of their audience. Um, this could be contributing an article to a bigger website. Hot tip, go on Google and type in write for us podcast management. And it's going to give you a bunch of sites that are looking for content from experts just like you. So that's a great way to take your message and now put it on a site where people are craving this kind of information. And now when someone's Googling you and they're thinking about hiring you versus the other podcast managers are interviewing, they're going to see your name come up on other platforms. And that helps build your authority and your credibility. And it elevates the way that this prospective client is seeing you. So it really, really does you a solid to consider contributing content. Um, alternatively, this is probably something you would do more if you had a publicist, uh, just because you want to focus on podcast management, not necessarily pitching yourself all the time. You could reach out to the writer or a freelancer or a contributor, contributor at a publication and pitch them an idea for an article, which they would write, but then interview you and include some of your quotes in there. So that mm-hmm. would highlight and position you as an expert. So those are three different ways to get featured with written media. I'll ask if you have any questions before I move up to audio.
0: Uh, nope, go ahead. Okay, cool. Sometimes I can
1: go on really, really quickly. So like, (laughs) let's
0: pause and check in first.
1: So when it comes to audio, like, I mean, obviously this is going to be the most relevant to this audience. So that could mean being highlighted on other podcasts. Thanks for having me on your show, Lauren. Um, this could be getting featured on less so radio. I don't think radio is going to really be as relevant for this audience, um, but it could also be maybe being on Clubhouse, moderating or hosting a room and getting in front of a new audience that way. So having your voice heard. Podcasts and Clubhouse, probably really, really great ideas for podcast managers. And I think written platforms would make a lot of sense for them as well. Mm-hmm. Then we move up to our top tier, which is visual media. I love this one because this is a way that someone can experience your energy or personality. They can determine if they vibe with you and if they, you know, if they really want to take that next step and get a sense of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, 20 years ago, this was super traditional in terms of getting on television, but now we have so many platforms that where the world's open up for us. That could be going live in someone else's Facebook group. It could be live going on LinkedIn with them or on Instagram. It could be doing a guest training in somebody else's mastermind. I've absolutely brought clients in the door through doing guest training in other organizations. Um, it could be speaking on a live stage at a conference. It could be speaking virtually at a summit. Um, what else are we thinking of that I'm missing here? I think we've dropped at least five different ways there. So I believe we're probably at at least 10 different ways that people can get visibility for themselves in front of the right people.
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned this earlier on, but like you said about how once you see, once you get a yes and you you have one of these opportunities, especially like the visual opportunity for some reason comes to mind for me of, you know, yeah, you do a guest. Uh, you're a guest expert in a, in a Facebook group or wh- whatever, you're you're on a summit, you do realize, oh, wow, I, I do belong in this room. I can do this. You see the other people that are speaking and you're like, you know what? Yes, I do have things to add. So I think I just want to say that again, because I think that's so true that like many things, you have to kind of put yourself out there and, and then kind of get the confidence and see, oh, wait, yes, I belong here.
1: Absolutely. Then once your self perception changes, I remember when I decided I was going to start being a speaker, you know, I had a little bit of a push, I was in debate in high school and whatnot. So I never shied away from being on a stage. But I started finding speaking opportunities. I started to, be, I remember my first one was in 2015 at a fitness event after Jillian Michaels got off the stage. So like, <laughs> that was when everyone was going to go to the bathroom. And I was like, <laughs> Just oh my God, I that. hope the room doesn't fill out or it doesn't spill out. But no, I held the attention. Like two people left. Everyone stayed. And I was like, oh, amazing. Okay, maybe I'm not bad at this. And that inspired me to apply for my next stage and my next stage. And by the time 2019 hit, I'd been on like 52 planes that year, flying to different conferences and engagements and whatnot throughout the year. Not that I was speaking at all of them, but in any event, I think I did at least nine or 10 stages that year. Mm -hmm. So the way I thought about myself in 2015 was maybe I can speak. And by 2019, I was legit a bona fide speaker. So how cool is it that you can create that shift in perception for yourself?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we covered all these different types. Why is it important that we have like a healthy mix, healthy media mix? And and also, why would it be important for our clients to have a healthy media mix? Because maybe they've asked us to pitch them on podcasts, which is a natural extension of podcast management. But why would it maybe be a good idea for us to say, hey, what about these other things?
1: Sure, I love to give examples through stories. So my husband and I love to cook, like a kitchen's a big priority for us as we were looking for somewhere to live. And um, one recipe that we make every few weeks, um, we don't do it so well that I know it by heart, I have to check in with it, but every few weeks we make this really amazing Thai red curry, it's super delicious. So when we're making this meal, for me, I like to watch my content, YouTube's on all the time, it's gonna drive them crazy when we move in in a few weeks. (laughs) In any event, I turn on the recipe on TV, I see what she does, I pause it, I copy and do the thing, go back to the recipe, play, do it, pause, go. And after like five times, he's like, I can't stand her accent. Is there a blog post we can just read with this information? So at the end of the day, we still want the same result, a delicious Thai red curry. And we have different ways of wanting to get there. So if there wasn't that blog post, my husband may have been lost and decided to do something else because he couldn't stand listening to that again. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm not really into doing the reading of the recipes. I'd rather watch someone do it and copy it. So at the end of the day, your audience wants to get to the same destination. How are you going to support them in getting there in the way that they want to get there? So that's why I'm a big advocate of being read about, being seen and being heard. So Mm -hmm. no matter how someone likes to consume content, you're satisfying them. But also beyond that, remember again... Before I even go to a sushi restaurant, I Google it and that's only 20 bucks. So, you know, hiring a podcast manager, I'm sure are charging thousands of dollars. So people are going to do their research. They are going to Google you. And mm-hmm. if you can have a leg up on other people on in your industry, because they search your name and they see you on, you know, a YouTube video somewhere, they hear that you've been on this podcast and you've written an article for this, like this website that has authority, you become a more attractive candidate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, because when you can say, you know what, I'm ready for this, I want to do this, I want to get my feet in the, the water of media, then you really are setting yourself apart from others that are like, just focusing on social media or whatever. So yes, I think that's makes a lot of sense.
1: And can I even just say one thing? Because you said social media, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, go ahead. There's one thing that kind of like makes me itch, like I was going to say a little, it makes me itch a lot. So <laughs> let me make this distinction really quickly for everyone who's listening. There is a massive difference between creating content and being visible or creating visibility. Mm. Creating content is nurturing your existing audience. So when you're doing reels and TikToks and emailing your list, that's not necessarily bringing in new people. It's the people who already follow you, the people who are already subscribed to you. They're seeing that content. And we also know it's only a portion of those people seeing the content. The algorithm is not putting you in front of 100% of your followers. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that we're also focusing on visibility. You can't do content for the same 200 people over and over and over again and be surprised your sales are not increasing. We have to make sure we're constantly bringing in new followers who aren't just followers, they're quality qualified leads. We need to keep growing our email list. We need to keep growing our Facebook community. Wherever you're accumulating your audience, you have to see that week after week, that number is increasing. So we need to not only create content that nurtures the people who are already in our space or who have come to our space, but we need to be attracting people to our space. And that's where visibility comes in.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that our clients, podcasters are looking for is how do I get more listeners? So I think that hits that right on the, the nail on the head. Now, I wanted to ask you, how do we get free exposure to position ourselves as authority? And I guess paid too. Can you talk about what are some opportunities that you've mentioned so far that are paid and what are what are some of these that are free?
1: Yeah, so for in my industry, number one, I don't want my clients to pay to play as it's called. I don't mm. want them to pay for exposure opportunities. I want to get it based on their merit, their value and their credentials. Mm. Um. I also tell my clients it's not a priority for them to get paid. The payoff Mm, for them is the exposure and the visibility. That is the trade-off. If Forbes has an article on you, don't ask them for money for it. You're getting exposure in front of thousands of people. Shut up. Um, (laughs) With love. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing this for 20 years and the entitlement of some of the corporate people I've worked with is mind-boggling. Um, if you're paying for exposure, you can control the story. But if you're being given access, you do not get to be in control of it. So be mindful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, oh, I started going on a tangent. I want to come back to the point. Can you repeat your question? I'm so sorry. To ask no, you you're, you're
0: good. I was saying, what's, what are some examples of free exposure and what are some examples of paid?
1: Okay, cool. So again, the value is the exposure, but Mm -hmm. there are ways that you can get paid and I can easily share some examples right now. So earlier I mentioned those clients of mine, um, the the chiropractors back in 2015 who were on the national television show. Mm -hmm. Now they had been doing segments, they did two or three segments with the show, which meant that there were days where they were leaving the office and not seeing patients. So the payoff was that they got this national exposure in front of millions of viewers that now they could put this logo on their website that now other media sources were seeing them and having them on. But the the cherry on top, the icing on the cake is that the show recognized that, okay, the doctors aren't in the office. We're going to pay them for each segment. Mm -hmm. Now, when you think about a brand like Tide, Tropicana, whatever it is, they pay tens of thousands of dollars to have a few minutes of exposure on that show. So for you to get paid a few hundred bucks to show up is massive. massive. Another example I can think of, and this is something that people can actually do from this podcast right now. So get your Chrome tabs open. To be able to get some free exposure and to be quoted as a source in stories, there's a fantastic website called Help a Reporter, www.helpareporter.com commonly referred to as Harrow in the industry. And three times a day, they will send you an email saying, hey, a journalist from Forbes is looking for a quote on this. Someone from Insider is looking for a quote on this. And you can skim those articles, see if you're a qualified source for any of them, and then send over a quote and you can be included. One of my clients responded to a Harrow query for Pop Sugar. She's a personal trainer in fitness. And that ended up being eight articles with the site. a site that has more exposure than Refinery29, CNN, and Vogue.com combined.
0: Wow. Yeah. Huge.
1: Um, Also what that led to, again, while she didn't get cash for doing this, she developed such a good relationship with the team there that as they were building their Instagram account and they were having um, fitness trainers come and do workouts on there, they asked her if she would like to do one. Now at this time, Pop Sugar was just under a million followers. Like my client did not have anywhere near a million followers, not even near 10,000. So to get exposure to that kind of audience was huge. So that's a way that you can get the exposure, but it's, you're not going to get paid for it necessarily, not tangibly. If you do want to get paid, there is a website called freedomwithwriting.com. Now I know we've got a lot of like audio people here, but audio files is that the word? But for those who like to write, if you go to freedomwithwriting.com, there are opportunities to write articles for websites where you actually do get paid. So I have a client who recently wrote an article for uh, Reader's Digest UK and they sent her a check for the content. So that was pretty cool. She was able to get the exposure, the link and the payment.
0: Yeah. And I want to backtrack on what you said about, you know, paying for exposure. Cause I was thinking of like the DMs you get for like Yahoo Finance and, you know, those kind of classic things. But there's also a really popular entrepreneur podcast where it's very well known that you have to pay to be on it, right? So given the fact that most people know that every single guest pays to be on the show, some people find that to be like, so gross. They don't like it. They're never going to do it, whatever. But what do you think about that? Like the podcast industry, for the most part, when you have a guest on, it's not a paid opportunity. But if it's well known that oh, yes, every single one of these guests gets paid. Do you think that's still a, I don't know, like legitimate? Or do you find that as a publicist to still be kind of like, uh?
1: So number one, I'm going to respect everybody's platform. So if somebody has a podcast and their choice is to choose people to be on it because they have worked really hard to accumulate an audience and they're not just giving away that access, good on them. Not my value set, not my MO, but I champion them doing what they have worked so hard to build. So do it. There's a difference between like, you know, do you remember reading magazines a few years ago back when we would still spend like seven bucks at the cash at the grocery store to bring one home with us or we were sitting in the doctor's office? Mm -hmm. You'd be reading the articles of a magazine because, you know, there were headlines on it that you were interested in reading those articles. And then somewhere as you're flipping through the pages, you read an article, but it seemed like suspiciously, like they were trying to plug something at you. And then you see the word advertorial in the top right corner and you're like, oh, this is just a cleverly written advertisement. And now the way you're digesting that conversation content shifts you read the article differently when you knew it was just great content versus now you know that they have paid to be in here and they're trying to sell you on a message Mm -hmm. so Be conscious that the consumer is thinking the same way if that's how you're showing up. They know the difference between, you know, let's explain it this way. There's a difference between people coming on here and and them having credibility because, Lauren, you've selected and highlighted them to be here. It's a difference between me saying, hey, look at me, I'm awesome versus you endorsing me saying, hey, look at her, she's awesome versus if it was well known that I had paid to be here people wouldn't have the same level of trust. That's what I want to illustrate. So especially when someone realizes after the fact that it was paid, now they kind of feel a little bit had. Yes. So again, just be mindful of that. You mm-hmm. can go either way. My choice is to go the authentic editorial route um, where you are not paying for if You're getting that earned media. That's obviously the foundation of my business. But some people choose to pay to play.
0: Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Because I think a lot of people immediately are like, okay, that's icky. But I, like you said, like if people have built their own platforms, they can make their own rules. I and mean, then it's our choice to either, do we want to listen to that platform? Do we want to watch that platform? And do we want to pitch ourselves? That's each of our own decisions, right?
1: 100%. Everyone gets to show up the way that they so choose to. And you write the rules to your, your game, if you will. And then I'll decide whether, I, whether or not I want to play.
0: Yeah, Totally. Now, I love to like scale this back because one of the things that I talk a lot about is working part-time. So a lot of people listening, they want to work 20 hours a week. We want to live lives outside of being podcast managers and all that good stuff. So how could we take some of the things that you're saying and have kind of a minimalist approach to it?
1: Oh, yeah. So this is one thing that I love, love, love. I'm a big believer in having a lather rinse, repeat message. Mm. I am not so... Okay, this is Lisa opening up the back doors to her business. I have used this. I feel like I have to whisper this. Like, I mean, I'm saying (laughs) it directly to to the person who received my pitch. I've used the same podcast pitch since August of last year. So I have a key message that I use over and over again that I have been pitching consistently now for seven months. I pitch it to 10 shows every week. To be clear, while my pitch is the same, I do my due diligence Mm -hmm. and make sure a show is the right fit for me. And I do listen before I get on, but the content doesn't change. So it's a very easy lather, rinse, repeat strategy for me. Thursday nights, 7 p.m., watching the Kardashians on Hulu or Disney Plus or whatever it is. I send out 10 pitches every single week, and then I follow up with the 10 that I sent the week before. I'm doing this every single week for 2022. That is my key marketing strategy. I'm not necessarily adding a ton of other things in there. So consistency to the point of boredom mm-hmm. is honestly a sign that you're doing it right. It's a sign that you're focused and that you're not chasing shiny object syndrome, going from one thing to the next to the next.
0: Yes, yes. And I think one of the things that I, I really want to talk about as a you, know, I received your pitch. A template is great. I love using a template. It's so obvious when it's has been customized or it hasn't. So you can 100% use a template and be successful, but you have to genuinely customize it. <laughs> you have to like have genuinely looked into the person because it's really obvious when it's like, you just switched out like one word, right? Like you, j- it's like, okay, name th- <laughs> exactly. These are the specific words I switch out. If you do the the work of like finding out, okay, why do I want to be on this show? And I'm going to let this person know why I want to be on the show. Then the template is great. It it just
1: makes your life a lot easier. But then again, like I really do want to hone in, like let's be respectful of people's platforms, whether it's Mm -hmm. pay to play, whether it's a free opportunity. Somebody has worked hard to cultivate this audience. So number one, don't make your pitch about yourself. Nobody wants to give you a free advertisement. And number two, make sure that you're leading with value. Like my key tenet anytime I go onto a podcast is everyone who listens to this episode should leave richer than they came, regardless of if they download my lead magnet, regardless of if they join my Facebook group, or regardless if they ever pay me a dollar, mm-hmm. they should leave richer than they came. So, you know, my hope is, you know, so far into our conversation, people have heard about help for a They know how to Google write for us. They can sign up for freedom with writing. So my intention is to drop a ton of value. So when you're reaching out to someone and you come from that angle of I want to contribute value and the right people who are magnetized to this and want more will come my way naturally. Mm -hmm. People can feel that positioning and they can feel that difference. It's the difference between that canned pitch that everyone knows you just changed your first name to versus the one that there is some intentionality of understanding who the listeners are and wanting Mm -hmm. to be able to serve them.
0: Yes. Love it. Now, this has been so good. And I, I agree. You have been giving us so many great tidbits and strategies and so many things that we can think about when it comes to pitching our clients or not even or but and pitching ourselves because I really do want those people listening to embody like hey this is for me (laughs) this message is for me so thank you so much before we end this conversation I would love to know how can we connect with you after the show and do you have you mentioned a lead magnet you mentioned a Facebook group where can we find you what's the best way to connect with you
1: So what I'd love to be able to share is if anyone's like, huh, what is this podcast pitch she sent that was able to get her featured on Lauren's show, you can take a peek at my podcast pitch and also get my fill in the blank template that's going to help you structure your own pitch that you can lather, rinse and repeat just like I do. So to download a copy of my pitch and your own fill-in-the-blank template, you can head over to www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com to download it. So again, it's www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And where can we find you on social media?
1: Yeah. You can follow me at Lisa Simone Richards. I feel like I'm always saying, I swear to God, I'll get more active on there. And I think I have a lot more over the last little while, but fun fact, um, my, I've been with my husband for four years and there's still not even a single picture of him on my static feed.
0: Not for any specific reason. It just hasn't happened. I am the same way with my personal life. Like I take pictures of my kids, but I just... Once I get on Instagram, I'm in business mode. I'm not really posting about my husband or my kids. So I feel you there.
1: I love to scroll. And if someone posts something, I will totally retweet it. There's one wedding highlight reel that's just all the content that my friends did. And I was like, sure, repost, 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 but it's not actually mine.
0: (laughs) Yes. I love friends that do that anyway. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the show. It has been so good.
1: Oh, it's been such a pleasure to open up these tips to people and now pick your favorite one and put it into practice.
0: Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. Alright, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.